Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. Hi, Caviar Dreamers. How are you this week? I am super excited because we have an amazing guest, right, Lexi? An amazing guest. We're calling this the Empowerment Episode. Yes, we have Dorothy Turan, former executive producer of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, and our dear friend, right, Lexi? Because she lives in your apartment building, too. She does. She's one of my very dear friends. I didn't see you yet today. It's exciting when you walked in. I felt like, ooh, hello. I missed you for the whole 24 hours. I didn't see See you. you. I know, but before we introduce her, I just want to give you a little background on her. She grew up in Liberia. Her father was the ambassador to the United States. So she is an immigrant to America. She came here. She's a woman of color. She's a wife, a mom, an ambassador of the Lupus Foundation. She's an advocate for change. She has started her own company, which we're going to let you tell her about, Lauren Grace Media, a production company. And she has um, been the executive producer of many reality series and scripted series that she's going to tell you about. And she is just super fabulous. And an all-around badass yes, in the industry. Exactly. And we just cannot wait to interview her. Right, Lex? I think we should just get right into it. Yes, this is going to be super, super fun. Okay, Hi, Dorothy. Hi. How are you, Margaret? Hi, Lexi. <laughs> Hi, Dorothy. You don't really need a formal introduction with us because, you know, we've been with you for so long. This is true. Yes. Okay. So, Dorothy, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that yeah. you grew up in Liberia. True. I grew up in Liberia. My father was Liberian. My mom mm-hmm. is American. And I was born there. And I was there until I was about 10 years old. And then we came to the U.S. for good. So, you know, primary years, all in Liberia. I know why you guys came to the U.S., yeah. but I think most of every, all the listeners don't know why. Everybody just knows you as, like, Dorothy Turan, executive producer of Real Housewives right, New Jersey, right, and right, blame right. you for all the stupid shit yes, that went on. Yes, But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when all they true. call you out on social media. Yes. But people don't realize what made you come, 
to uh, you know leave Liberia? Yeah. So my uh, I have a younger sister um, that passed away four years ago, and she we're eight years apart. Um, I'm eight years older, and she was very very sick when we were living in Liberia. And my mom really couldn't figure out like what exactly was wrong with her. She started developing rashes and droopy eyelids and kind of like slow motor skills. And there were all kinds of strange things happening and my mom couldn't figure out like what it was. So this was 1984 in West Africa. And so medical technology and advancement just was not what it is today Mm -hmm. and my mother you know took her to some doctors in Monrovia which is the capital of Liberia and the doctor and she'd say what do you think is wrong and they would say oh I think she has AIDS Uh, I think she has cancer she's probably going to die any day oh yeah Um, so frightening frightening and my mother is you know a badass woman and she was like that's just not acceptable and we're gonna go to get Western medicine and find Western care. And so my mom, I'm not sure how much conversation she had with my father, but my mother said like, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm taking my girls with me um, because I have to save my baby's life. And that's what she did. Wow. I mean, yeah. Come, look at you. I have Str- tears come, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah coming, yeah, look how strong yeah. your mother was to leave. Yeah, she left. Her, her family, you know, her husband. Yes. Leave her a country yeah. where she was living like a queen. Yes, she was actually. You were, you know, living in like a, a palace, queen. and you guys came here, moved into what you had told me was basically the projects. We moved into the it absolutely <clears throat> was the projects. We moved into uh, the Jefferson Housing Projects in East Harlem. That's where my maternal grandparents had lived for forty years, and my mother was kind of overnight a single mom, and through my father's career in Liberia, we were afforded a very privileged life. My father did not support my mother in any of those resources when she came to America. It's so, like the reverse American dream it's almost. Totally, you came it's from a fabulous life. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You went riches to rex. 100%. Yes, you went riches but to riches to rex. 100%. Your mom did that to save your sister yeah. and to get the help that you needed. Yep. And that's amazing. Yeah, yes, so she's you. so strong. Yeah, so strong. She's and I so think strong. And you came here and you and you helped take care of your baby sister. I did. I did. Wait, eh? I did. I figured out pretty early on that, you know, parenthood is hard enough, right? And yeah. being a single parent, as much love and heart as you want to give to all of your children, it is energy is finite. I was rel- I was certainly a healthy child. I was fine and normal by all accounts. Um, and my sister was very, very sick. And my mom just couldn't give us both the same level of energy. She worked uh, at night so she could take weekday to doctor's appointments and be with her during hospitalizations as much as she could during the day. And then she was working at night and I was with my grandmother. So I figured out pretty early on that I needed to be pretty self-sufficient, um, which is what I did. And I think how it definitely is why I'm who I am sitting here with you ladies today. It's just because I figured out pretty early. I've got to like figure it out. Not to say that my mother wasn't there, wasn't nurturing. She was, but she really had very little energy and it was like my sister just had to be the priority. Absolutely. When you've I mean, she came, she started again. Yep. She had to figure out doctor's appointments, totally. learn a new city. Yes. Like really adapt to a whole new life with both of you, but she gave you an amazing work ethic. Yes. An amazing bravery and courage. You saw your mother be so strong, take care of, you know, work hard so she could take care of her daughter. 
um, who was unhealthy, take care of you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really unbelievable, this story. Yeah. Now, then, you know, I remember you telling me a story of when you were a little girl and watching TV with your grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is when you realized you wanted to be behind the scenes in TV mm-hmm. and production. I did. Could you tell all the listeners that yeah. story? Because I, I, I think it's so entertaining. You were watching, uh, what was it, Miss USA? I was USA? watching Miss USA. Miss USA. You're so right, Marge. I was watching <laughs> Miss USA. And so, you know, my Nana and I, so, you know, we were had this very tiny two-bedroom apartment in, in, in our building, and we had, like, a really old little you know, square black and white TV and the antennas didn't work. So we had like hangers as like mm-hmm. the rabbit ears. <laughs> and we were like always like manipulating the ears in different ways so you can watch all of our like nightly shows. And I was watching Miss USA. And, you know, you think that every little girl wants to be Miss USA or wants to be Miss America. Mm-hmm. Everybody yes. wants the sash. Everybody wants the prince to learn how to do the princess wave and their bathing suit. Like that is what every little girl I've ever heard of like has wanted and I never ever wanted that I never wanted that I would watch the show and at each segment I would watch like where the follow focus came onto the stage and where the spotlight was for everybody you know to stand on and if the curtain opened exactly at the time that the curtain was supposed to open. And it, this is, I was like 10 or 11 years old, and I would still like say, Nana, she missed the spotlight just by a little bit. The curtain was a couple of seconds late when it opened. My Nana was a woman from the South. She was from Charleston, South Carolina. She was very old school. She was very much of the school of like children should be seen and not heard. And she also thought I was insane because she didn't know what I was because she didn't know what I was talking about and she said child you better just hush and watch that show and don't ask any questions um and so it was from then but you're right that I figured out like that's what was really to this day still what's really exciting to me it isn't all the isn't the in front of the camera stuff it's definitely behind you love to be behind the camera to, to make and create and like be a part of like how to connect the dots to make something visually real and exciting. Where did you go to school? Like, what happened? Like, you went to school for this? Like, people people want to know. Like, what is, like, the behind the Dorothy Turan? Yeah, so behind the Dorothy the myth, Turan. The myth behind the Dorothy Turan. The myth, the legend. The myth, the legend. Um, I went to FIT. Um, and oh, just like the Marge. Just I like the Marge. FIT, That's yes. right, just like the Marge. Um, and interesting, no one, like, has believes this or has heard of this, but back then, FIT did have a television and film mm-hmm. major. Yes. They had a communications major. Yeah, they definitely did um, have communications. But a lot of people, of course, <laughs> oh because God. FIT is synonymous with, like, all things fashion, all things yes. that you do. like. Mm-hmm. Pe- but they did, and that's the major that I declared. So I went to FIT, and or, so FIT still is on 27th Street and 7th Avenue, um, and around the corner from FIT, it still exists, is a television studio. It's been there for years and years and years. It's called uh, Chelsea Television Studios All Mobile Video. Now it's been the home of like every major talk show. The Tyra Banks show, Ricky Lake was there, um, and Wendy Williams is there now. This studio was existing when I was in college, and I got a part-time job as the switchboard operator at the studio. What's the switchboard operator? Oh, the switchboard operator. I was a phone, switchboard. Yeah, and it was actually the Maury Povich show was there at the time. And this is when reality television totally went left. Well, like, because Maury Povich was, like, hard news. And then when he came to Chelsea Television, he had, like, a, you know, sensationalized Jerry Springer-esque show. And you took the call? And you took the call? 
Not only did I, I was the sw- not like a receptionist. It's like one phone. I was the switchboard operator. <laughs> like where so, like, you like, see in those movies like, where yeah, they pull literally the like in and here out. in your studio, just like this switchboard. I was a sw- I had so I had big headphones, and I was like they were like maybe forty lines and all lit up at the same time. And I was a switchboard operator. You were destined um, to deal with crazy <laughs> voices in your head from the beginning. Um, and it was so funny because there were so many lines that, like, it was a part-time job for two college students. So um, another friend and I, like, we were on, like, the same shift, and then we would, like, switch shifts. Um, and there was a post-production. There was a television studio, and the building also housed a post-production studio. So there were edit rooms, and they would edit the talk shows in the studio. Um, but that's what I did. That's what, and I actually had so much fun doing that job. Wow! So yeah. started with Maury Povich. Started, with Maury you started Povich. with the crazy and ended <laughs> yeah, with the crazy. crazy. I ended, yeah, yeah, that, still doing the crazy. Okay. Yeah. So what was your first after you got out of FIT? Mm-hmm. What was like your first foray into television? My first foray into television actually was before FIT. When I was, there was a program in my high school where you could finish all of your academics the first six months, and then you could intern the last six months before graduation, which is what I did. That's a great program. Yeah, it was. They should bring that back. It was really fantastic. Um, And I was a production assistant for this, uh, for a commercial director. His name is John Fraker. Um, and he owned a production company called Fraker Productions, and he did all tabletop stuff. So, like, I don't know if you remember, like, those old, like, Tanactin foot commercials where the foot is on fire. Yes, I love the like, foot on fire. The foot on fire, that was all John's company. Like, he pioneered that tabletop technology. And so I was his production assistant, but, like, so different then than now like it wasn't just being on set i was picking up the dry cleaning i was like babysitting the daughter and aftercare and i was like getting coffee and making copies and in exchange for all that he let me be on set and i was on set with him every day and do you feel like you learned so much from that job 100 percent. i think not only did i learn so much for me it was more than that it was about John was so committed to teaching me and he was so committed to making sure that I was seen. And I think that's even more than the technicalities of the jobs that I was doing for him at the time. It was that he was the first person that I think actually saw me that like I belonged in this world because I wasn't sure that I belonged there because I didn't have anybody to like confirm that for me up until that point. Um, so he really changed my life because it was incredibly um, edifying. And I've, I've obviously worked with you yeah, and been sure. on set with you. And I've seen, I think you do that for your team also. I think that's oh, something that you've you. taken with that you into your career. That means a lot. Because I yeah. do see you, especially with more junior members of the team, like sure. affirming their place. Yeah. Is that something that's important to you to like oh pay God. it forward in your career? It's yes. so important to pay it forward because you can't get to where you want to be unless someone can help pull you up and get you there. I think this is also a business that is so fleeting. You know, mm-hmm. and we've, the three of us have seen this, like someone is like a production assistant today, the next thing you look, they're a producer, the next thing you look, they're like a DP. I think it's really important to be able to pull people up and develop them because I also am a firm believer that you're only as good as your team. I And yes. you know, you're I only agree. as good as your team and also, if you think because you're an executive producer or a CEO or a business head that you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably the least smartest person in the room. 
So I also think it's really important to be able to have a team where you can say, what do you think? I'm not really sure. So I think that all comes from curating the success of people on your team. That, I love that. I love that yeah. you know concept because it is true. You you let people shine, which I love, and and it's Thank not ha- and you don't have a big ego, which is which is so important. And I think yeah. so many people do, and that's also out of fear and insecurity. Sure. And you're mm-hmm. so secure in your being, and I think that goes with years of working and and just being secure and just knowing who you are sure. and i think that's such you know that I could give be you said so of much both credit. of you you're thank both you. such empowering thank women. yes thank you margaret is exactly the same way no i mean exactly. i have a great team i would say i'm nothing without my team i would say lexi's yeah. the real margaret josephs uh, and you know makes me who i am and i have such an amazing uh team of women behind me but it's true you have to lift everybody up and everybody who's yes. listening i you know Anybody who you work with, you must always give them credit, and you're nothing without your team. Lexi, I am so happy you told me about Blinkist. When I put that app on my phone, it was so fabulous because now I could listen to or read books within 15 minutes. Isn't it amazing? It's like a secret weapon for me to learn new things. It's unbelievably life-changing. I know because I don't have time to sit there and read an entire book anymore. I'm running around. I am so busy. And then I got to read the entire Michelle Obama book in 15 minutes. It's amazing. It gives you the key takeaways so you can also decide if you want to read books. You could preference them at the top of your list because if there's 10 books you want to choose from and you don't have time, this gives you the key takeaways from those nonfiction books. I know. It's all about entrepreneurs. You can do any type of self-help books. Blinkist is so amazing. I mean, when I realized that 12 million people have been using it, where the, where's the Marge bin? That's what I want to know. Why it's have true. we not known about this sooner? It's true, and it's so easy to use. It works on your phone or your tablet, or you could use it in your web browser too. I know. It is so great. I am going to be recommending this to everybody because everybody I know is super busy, and they never read anymore. And I'm always asking people, could you recommend me a book? Could you recommend me a book? And I can never get through it. And then I'm always driving. So this is perfect. I could seem super smart. I could, I could learn so many things with Blinkist. I just absolutely love it. It's so true. It's been so helpful for me in business too. I had been dying to read The Virgin Way, Everything I Know About Leadership, the Richard Branson book. And I got all the key takeaways so fast that I sounded so smart when I was in our meetings. I know. And I want to read Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan. And I'm going to actually listen to it in the car. And in 15 minutes... I can be an everyday millionaire. It's so great. I'm so happy that we're able to share this with our listeners, too. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash caviar, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash caviar, to start your seven-day free trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash caviar. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. I mean, it is so fabulous. And just so you know, we're going to keep this information up on our website. So you can go to margaretjosephs.com and look at this also. So just seriously, that's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash caviar to start your seven-day free trial. And you guys can be super smart with Blinkist. 
tell me, what was your first unscripted show, your first reality show that you worked on? My first unscripted show, I laugh because I can't believe I did it. I worked, so I used to, uh, I was in the production management team of music videos for a long time. So yes. all of the hip hop music videos in the 90s, like I was a part of all of that craziness. I love that. Um, but in terms of my first unscripted show, it was actually, I think it was Room Raiders for MTV. Room Raiders. Do you remember this show? No, um, I don't. It was a show called Room Raiders. It was a, the number one show at MTV at the time behind, behind excuse me, Punked with Ashton Kutcher. So oh, Punked yes. was the lead in, and then it was Room Raiders. And it was this, like, it was produced by a production company that was a UK company that was called uh, Granada TV. And it I was know this. Granada. I grew up on Granada. Did you? Yes. Well, I made that show British. for, she's British, of course. I made that show for Granada. And it was this insane concept that like took off like wildfire that was about is really for like the teen market so it was um it was a dating show where the kids had to figure out if they wanted to date the person by checking out their house and their bedroom oh before i did see this show i did see this so show. we would do like you know the cold open package was like the, the kid that, you know, so the girl that's going to, the guy's going to see if he wants to take her out on a date, she gets, like, abducted, and she gets thrown in a van. I mean, this Whoa, would never, wow. never, I know, wow. it would never, it would never happen today in production. Yeah, um, there's too abducted. much liability abducted. <laughs> but she was, like, abducted. That's an HR disaster. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, this is, like, 20, 25 years ago, 20 oh. years ago. Um, and then there'd be all kinds of weird things. There was, like, black light. Over the sheets. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Oh, oh, wow. It was so oh, for teenagers? For teenagers, wow. it was so wow. creepy. I can just imagine what you would find. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, so, it was so incredibly creepy, but it was so interesting. I did that for four seasons, and it, it, it caught on so well. There was, like, Room Raiders LA, Room Raiders Miami. There was Room Raiders DC. It was everywhere. I don't like think it's coming time. back in. It's wow. definitely not coming back. That's a little creepy. That's it was super creepy. It was super creepy, but that was, that was the first <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so then fast forward you've had like a very illustrious career you know Thank a you. lot of no you have very very impressive um the most famous because i met you was on uh real housewives in new jersey i know you were doing that you did manzoed with children I did do manzoed with children all three seasons of that show which was very impressive. You work with the Manzos, but then you did House Housewives of New Jersey. We don't have to get into details about that, but right. you know, but you know, you're executive producer of that. T tell us a little. Tell us a little bit about that, because people don't realize what the executive producer really does. People think like you were in editing, this, that, like yeah. you had any control. You weren't in editing. People, right. Dorothy was not in editing. <laughs> Thank FYI. you for saying that. Thank you. I was not in editing. Um, you know, there. Well, first, I should say that there are many, many executive producers yes. on every show, mm -hmm. um, in unscripted and in scripted. And so, RHO and J and Manzoed with Children and every other show that you know everybody watches has. There's several executive producers, and and everyone really plays a different role, and every role is really, really important to the team. Um, and so, I have always been really proud of being able to have the partnership to have other executive producers that are a part of my team and you know also no matter what show you are producing especially reality shows in this day and age they're big 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 productions with lots and lots and lots of moving parts and lots of personalities and lots of dynamics so it's really really important that you've got to have like a group of people um, at a senior management level that can really take on all the challenges to make the show successful. Now, 
I know working in unscripted and reality, you have some really difficult situations, not just logistically, like we're talking yes. about, but like Creatively. with big personalities, yes. creatively yeah. managing people. But you also have a responsibility to deliver good, compelling television. Sure. Do you ever find like your core principles? Because I see you are a woman of principle. I know you will. Yes. Have you ever compromised? Uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, yes. Lexi, you're totally right. It's really, it's a balance. And I think sometimes you just, you do the best that you can. You don't always get it right. There are certainly days that I come home from set and I honestly admit that it's not my finest day as a producer in terms mm-hmm. of my moral ethics. And you you try to make up for that like in ways that you can. Um, the thing I will say is that our world is changing. And so the mandates for things are changing. You know, back in, I think maybe in the beginning throes of when they were docu-ensemble shows, that it was a lot more about like, it was okay to like, it was just okay to kind of have like no holds barred. And today, with all the liability and so many other things, you do have you have to work a little harder to be able to to create a show that's creative, but really still kind of like within certain guidelines that doesn't like upset advertisers and you know the network and all of that. Yeah, has a yeah. social responsibility. Yeah, we, we are much more socially responsible. I, I yes, as we should of, be. We should as be. We should be. I the think it's very different. You know, people have been so marginalized over the years. Mm-hmm. Things were acceptable. I mean, just in my job prior to getting on TV, I said, you know, there was sexual innuendos always at my jobs. I I never thought anything of it. It was very commonplace. And certain things were, you know, things don't fly nowadays. Right. And TV is traditionally another male-dominated industry. Yes. 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 So did you come into TV already feeling like, oh, God, I got a long way to go because, A, I'm a woman, B, I'm a woman of color, and C, I'm like – here in this industry trying to make a name for myself on the bottom like did you did you feel challenged or yes 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 completely yes yes to all um because it is really hard when you're all of those things right Mm -hmm. so television production is a male-dominated industry and it's changing um steadily but it is a fact that it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and being a woman adds to that, and being a woman, a woman of color adds to that. Oftentimes, when I am on set, I am usually the only person of color, definitely usually the only woman of color, particularly in an executive on an executive level. Um, and I also think I've I've had a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. I, I mean, want you to tell that one story where that person didn't realize you were an executive. Oh yeah, that's happened a couple of times. Yes, I just I um, just love that story because it's so typical um, of what goes on nowadays. Right? You mean the recent where they were with us? Yeah, we were on set. We were on set. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's also because of perception, right? Yeah, like perception. Think women, women, women of color. Women of color. So people think executives look a certain way. Yes. Um, and it doesn't, it naturally sometimes doesn't dawn on people that there is an open definition of what everything is. Um, and so what Margaret is talking about is I was on a set and there was a situation that happened and I had to handle the situation because it was compromising. It was compromising to what we were filming. And I went up to the person that we were concerned about. And I basically said, like, this is not acceptable. And we can't have this. You know, it compromises the integrity of the show that we're making. And I'm sorry, I have to ask you to leave. And it's so, f- I mean, 
it wasn't funny at the time, but it's so funny now. Like I think it's funny. About it. um, and it funny was, and disturbing. It all was the funny. Same time. Yeah, it was right. It was funny and disturbing because um, the young lady that I was having this conversation with said. Well, I need to speak to the person that's in charge. I mean, <laughs> who is so great? She's like, I mean, who is the executive, like, or the producer? I need to talk to her or them. And it was so interesting, right? Because what what do you do when someone says that? Like, there are all kinds of ways you can react. You can be angry. You can like kind of just like completely go off. And I always find that because I already know who I am, I don't need to do all of that. It no. was so mm-hmm. interesting. I was actually really quiet. And I said, okay, I'll introduce you. And I just uh, kept staring at her. And it was so funny to watch, like, <laughs> the wheels, the in, her wheels head. in her head happening. And then people started to come in, and she was looking around at other people's reaction that were watching it, and she was, like, mortified. Um, and so it was so great. But also it's like you don't always have to make a big stink. You don't always have to make a big fuss. Literally, I just said, okay, I'll introduce you, and stood there and stared at her. And she finally got it, and she was mortified. So that's that's, that's what I love yeah. about you. Because the next question is eternal question: a boss babe versus bitch. And mm. I always say you're the scariest when I worked with you. Is like <laughs> you when, say because that. you don't yell, and you're not a bitch. All you have to do is make a look. So women don't have to be bitchy. FYI, yeah, you're so not funny. a screamer. No, and you're not. No. And you're not a bitch. All you have to do is well, make that face. I'm sure, you can probably have some competing opinions. I just on that feel one. like <laughs> you you are the most powerful when you don't say something. Thank you. But I think that's in general. It's so funny you say this, um, and it's also something that Dolores used to always say. <laughs> um, Dolores used to always say when she saw my name, like because we would, you know, usually text yes. the cast for random small things and Dolores would always say oh my god whenever I see your name on my phone and you're calling me I bust into a sweat um, <laughs> um, hi Dolores Dolores used to say that all the time and she and I still love I said why she goes I just when you call me when I see your name on my phone I'm like what did I do oh my god and I have to get my stuff together before I pick up so uh, but I think it's more effective when you Like, listen, we're all humans and sometimes we just, like, lose it. But I think overall, like, when you are – when your power is being challenged, I think the way to really, like, get control of that situation is just to be able to be really sure about who you are because you know that you have the power to be effective. So if you have the power to be effective, you don't need to, you know, do all the other stuff. That's an amazing takeaway. That's something I need to learn because even when you were telling that story – the initial reaction yeah. in my head is punch that girl in the face. <laughs> you know? I'm just going to be honest. Not trip, like, trip her not on the way out of the building. Look her in the bathroom. Put a head down the toilet. You know? But so that's something obviously yeah. I could work on on myself. So that's a takeaway for me. Yes. Obviously it's a takeaway for me. I've, I, I've uh, People have written to me, Marge, you have anger management issues. No more liquids around you. Don't get near a pool. Oh FYI. All that craziness. Oh so Yes. So I obviously have to work on all of those things but that is what is very very no everything that is very very impressive about you you always keep your composure you are very very cool that was so great working about you and that's why everybody felt it was such a big loss when you decided to resign from the housewives in new jersey yes yes and i know which was which was devastating 
But bigger and better things for Dorothy sure. Turan. So why don't you tell everybody what you're doing? Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is, like, the first, like, official, like, announcement about this. This is so very exciting yes. on Caviar Dreams. I know, because um, this is about people fulfilling their dreams in right. entrepreneurship. So um, I have – I also want to say that it was so bittersweet to say goodbye to Jersey. This was a show that I had made for six years, and there are people that I – love very much. Every single person on this cast was just, you know, incredibly special and dear to my heart and I loved and the producers and we had a really good time. So I want to say it was really, really tough to be able to make the decision to, to say goodbye. But on the other side of that, I have launched my own television production company. Congrats. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. It's called Lauren Grace Media. Um, there'll be announcements out um, in the trades pretty soon, probably the same time that this podcast will um, be released. That's so it's so really, it's exciting. exciting. News. It is exciting. It is big news. Mm. Big news. Huge. No, it w- it was time. Yeah. Like you felt it was time for you yeah. to branch out on your own. Yeah, it did. I think especially when you do any one thing for a really long time you get a little restless and you want to figure out like you know what else is out there and I also I'm a storyteller so I love telling all kinds of different stories and I wanted to be able to have the agency within myself to do it on my own terms the way I wanted to. Are you going to be doing scripted and unscripted? Yes, scripted and unscripted so we've got a really full development slate and we're just you know knocking it out one at a time. I mean, that is so impressive. Incredibly brave. Yes. yes. It is. I mean, because you were, you know, you had a lot of accolades. You're on a you were on a major show. Sure. People love a, you. A show Thank that you. people love too that's yeah. sticking around with yeah. multiple franchises. Absolutely. Yes. And you were and but listen, you took that leap of faith. You were living your dream yeah. and and I think that's that's amazing. Thank that's you. so good. That's Thank a that's you. a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. How did you like ramp yourself up to take that leap yes. of faith? Cuz that's like a tough thing to do. Yes, it's tough. You know what? I didn't it wasn't like I didn't ramp myself up only because I had been thinking about it for such a long time. Mm-hmm. So, at some point it was just like I was getting closer and closer and closer and then I was like, okay, jump. You know, yeah. and that's what I did. So it didn't feel like I was, you know, I didn't wake up one day and say, all right, I've had it, you know. And also, you know, Margaret, to your point, Jersey was, you know, is such a hugely successful show. I left at the end of season 10 after a reunion, which was such an incredible year um, for the show that's actually at the reunions airing now. And so it was also, you know, it was interesting to be able to step away. But I think the lesson that I learned for myself is it's really nice to step away and start a new venture when you're walking away for something at the height of its success. Yes. You know, yes. you never want to step away from something that you feel like is failing or it's not everything it could be because you feel like you need to like really make sure that like you've given that your all so it was really that was what was comforting about leaving mm-hmm. it was that like I was no is leaving it like on top so, and it was you're on top because of, you know because of you you're a big part of that yes. Let, let's talk about some of your philanthropy because okay. you are the ambassador of the lupus foundation yes. because your sister as yes. we were saying earlier did pass away from lupus yes. Four years your ago. Your baby sister four yeah. years ago passed yeah. away from lupus. Yeah. And that is something so dear to your heart. Yes. Yes, it is. You know, I, my sister was 
like we were saying before, um, Wiede was diagnosed with lupus. Um, she wasn't diagnosed until she was 16, actually. Oh, but my God. She, All those years. Right. She was so, so, she, so sick. So talking about when we left Liberia, like, Wiede was two <coughs> when she started displaying symptoms. She wasn't diagnosed here in New York until she was 16. Oh, my God. Um, and she That's passed crazy. away. That's crazy. Yeah. Horrible. And she passed she away when she was 33. And she was misdiagnosed, and she passed away at 33. And so one of the big... Um, awareness initiatives that we push at the Lupus Foundation of America is testing and really like plugging into like what the signs are because the, and also even still with all of the advancements, um, LFA research still says that it takes women and lupus really affects women um, more than men by far um, and women of color the most, that it still takes eight or nine doctor's visits over the course of two years to know that to have lupus confirmed as a diagnosis. So it went from having symptoms at two to being diagnosed at 16, so 14 oh. years, to then coming down to two years, which is still like too long. It is, so it is long. too long it's because too long. she didn't yeah. have the proper treatment Correct. for all those years Correct. and it was so taxing on her body. It really was taxing. So, you know, you know, the, the year that she died, she actually was getting ready um, to undergo a kidney transplant. Um, my brother-in-law, her husband, was 100% match for her kidneys, as crazy as that sounds. And Ruben and Wede were preparing for a kidney transplant. And she was, you know, we were all so excited because we're like, usually kidney transplants lists, it's so political. It's like a whole nother like conversation. But we were really excited that like, we know that she's going to have her kidney because it's her husband. He's in the house. It's right yes. there. Yeah. Um, and then she got a staph infection and so they delayed um, they delayed the surgery for a few months but even with that we were like fine about that because again her husband was the donor so it wasn't like we were in the kidney wasn't on ice the kidney was no. not on ice so you know um, and then three weeks before the surgery she had a really bad cough that was bugging her she was having trouble sleeping for two weeks and my brother-in-law um, she woke up and was like vomiting and, and just like sick. And my brother-in-law took her to the uh, to the emergency room, and um, she went into cardiac arrest um, twice. Oh. Um, and she was revived both times, but by that time, she had it, there were so many mi several minutes of oxygen deprivation to her brain that she fell into a coma. And seven days later, we made the decision to let her go because all signs from all the chief neurologists and rheumatologists and people that were taking care of her at the time said that she had like a minus 0.1, like a negative 0.1% of survival. She had global cerebral brain damage. Ugh. And so my sister was an artist and she was a sculptor and she was a painter. And we just as a family collectively understood that like that was not the quality of life that she would want. Um, and so, you know, we, we made like a really, really tough decision, but a decision that we stand by and know was the right decision at the time, as heartbreaking mm -hmm. as it is. That's so devastating. It, yeah. is, it is so devastating. Yeah. But you do everything to make sure no other families go through that and, and suffer what you have went through by totally. being the ambassador of the Lupus Foundation. You've raised so many funds yeah. for the Lupus Foundation and that you make this your mission. And it's so admirable. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That, that you that you were involved in this yeah, and it's it's so it's so great because you are so busy and you do so many great things and thank you're you. such an advocate for change and and I just love that you do this I mean it's also you know I'm so I'm so thankful for like all the support that we get at LFA you know like 
the entire cast of RHO&J, for example, has always, always been so supportive and gracious. You both have, like, it's it's really nice to have such, like, a community that lifts you up when you're trying to do something that advances something for other people. So I'm very grateful for the support. Oh, yes. And we're, we're always going to support. And anybody, you Anytime. know, Lupus Foundation, LFA, if anybody wants to support, please go on. The it's, link's in my bio also on in, Instagram. Dor- on, in Dorothy's bio. So it is so really great. important. The gala every year is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much about fun. lupus. It's, yeah. tr- it's true. The symptoms are so vague, and it's different in everybody, exactly. which is which is so crazy. Exactly. So that's why it's just so hard to diagnose, and, so and, hard. and people don't realize. Yeah. And you know what I love? Burlington, where I, I do a lot of business, is that's also right. a very, very big supporter. Huge supporter so, of Burlington. You know, it's so, it's so important to give back. Yeah. And anybody it who is. has a platform to give back is is super, super important. Yeah, um I want to be a little superficial here. I know this Let's sounds so. It. I know this Let's sounds so it. crazy. A lot of people ask me, "Why does Dorothy shave her head?" <laughs> <laughs> I want to be totally. Oh, that's amazing! It's so funny. Oh my god! Because Dorothy Turan, a lot of people don't realize because she has no hair. She's bald. She's beautiful. She's the most perfectly she shaped brown head. Beautiful. The woman is gorgeous. Oh. But a lot of people are like, "Why does she <laughs> shave her head?" What's going on? Is she lazy? Can't she be bothered to wash it every day? (laughs) It's so funny. Can she not afford a blow dryer? Yes. Everybody wants to know what's going on. So, Dorothy, um, please, (laughs) you know, peel back the myth and tell people why you don't have hair. Um, So, I shaved my head. You actually look great. You know, you look, I love you with that hair. You're so beautiful. But I like you better without hair. Yeah, I've never really seen you with hair, only in pictures. You've seen pictures, yeah. Me too. Um, you know, I shaved my head when my youngest daughter, when Layla was three, and it honestly was always something that I wanted to do. I just didn't think I would do it as soon as I did it. Um, my mom has like a, a really short afro, so I always thought that like when I was much older, like that was kind of like the last thing that I was going to do in terms mm-hmm. of like some big like personality style change that I was going to shave my head. And then as I kind of went on in early motherhood, I was like having all of these like challenges. Like it was like, it was just so much work when I barely knew what I was doing as a parent. Not that that's changed because it hasn't, but um, (laughs) I I just, I just didn't know. And then I saw Lupita Young in 12 Years a Slave Mm -hmm. and I saw her and the day that I saw her, I was like, that's it. Um, and I, I didn't quite do it like the next day. It still took some like guts and nerve to work up to it. But shortly afterwards, I did. And it was the best. I'll never go hair. It was the best thing I ever did. I just feel so who I am this way. Um, and I just love it. I mean, um, I love it. It's such a fashion you. statement. You look so beautiful with that thank hair. You. Your head is shaped so perfectly. I mean, we do know. I mean, I know because we live in the same town. You have to go have your head shaved every two days. Yes, I have my head shaved every two days. People don't realize you don't do it yourself. No, I don't. I have, I am, so when I had hair, I was like, I'm an extremist, right? So Mm -hmm. when I had hair, and you've both seen pictures of like, my hair and wedding day, like I was like, 24 inches of weave down to my butt was like, that was like where I, that was stable. So 24 inches or like totally bald. And I 
even then, like I always like the maintenance thing, I never wanted to do any of it myself. So it hasn't changed that I have no hair. I still have to go and get my hair cut every two days. You are high maintenance. Not having hair, people, does not make you more it low, does not does not make, make you, you more low no, maintenance. No, it's faster, no. though. Haircut's only like 10 minutes. Yes. It's faster. Yes. Do you use shampoo? Uh, yes, in the shower. Okay. Just for my head. Just in okay. case anyone wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> Just for my head. It's like okay. an exfoliator. Okay, good. Good. Yes. Good to know. Good to <laughs> know. Now that could be a product for you, Dorothy. You come up with your <laughs> own brand of like head exfoliator shampoo. Because ex- I've never seen that. Listen. I mean, because you both are marketing geniuses, so of course. Well, we could, yes, we definitely have some some good ideas here, yes, which is very good. Um, A few other small things you don't know about Dorothy: she's Mm -hmm. super capable, but um, she does not drive. (laughs) (laughs) Now I could. That's got to change. To Margaret and Lexi's complete horror. That's and disappointment. You know, it is going to change this year. Okay. Okay, now that you have your own production company, Uh, you you might have to learn how to drive. The woman does not drive. I. I mean, there's Uber, there's Joe Benigno. Yeah, I know. So like, we're all, you know, because there's the, the, so many reasons I don't need to drive. I said her daughter Layla, who happens to be in the, is she in the fourth grade now? Fourth, uh, third, third, third grade, yeah. third grade. She'll be driving before Dorothy. Probably, probably. Bradley, my oldest, is already driving, so you know. All right, so there's another reason not to there's drive. Another, there's another, another reason, reason not to drive. Yeah, I see. You what's also, Lexi yeah. lives in my building. Margaret's up the street. There's so many reasons to drive. Yeah, no, but seriously, I am. I really time. am going to do it. Okay, I am going to do it this year. I'm making this that. because there's a lot of there's a lot of big years. So yes, so it's happening. I just anybody wants to. Give me driving lessons. I so appreciate it. you coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. And just me. giving everybody so the inside scoop yes. behind the myth, the legend, Dorothy yeah. Turan. Oh, my goodness. Former Thank executive so producer of Real House in yeah. Eyes of New Jersey. Yeah. It was the so founder great to have of you Lauren here. Grace Media, yes. which will be coming out with new shows that everybody could Everyone watch. Everybody will be watching. Everybody Stay will tuned. be watching. Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. Thank you, Caviar Dreamers, for tuning in to this fabulous episode, if I do say so myself. Thank you, Caviar Dreamers. And you can follow us at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget at The Real Margaret Josephs. At The Real Margaret Josephs. And Dorothy, where can everyone find you? At Dorothy Turan on Instagram. And then soon to be found as? At Lauren Grace Media. At longgracemedia.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye guys. Bye, bye, guys. Caviar, bye dreamers. caviar dreamers. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. <laughs>